Happy Easter. Okay, I'm going to say he is risen, and then you're going to say he is risen indeed, all right? Got it? He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. That's well, not bad. Pretty good. All right, now how about just the men? He is risen. He is risen indeed. That was good. <laughs> how about just Pat Downey? He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. Last night we had a wonderful celebration of the Easter Vigil, and Dalton Weber, who's 17 years old, he decided that he wanted to be confirmed, and it was such a beautiful occasion. The church was almost full, about 80% filled, and we had a wonderful celebration after it. But I was so inspired by this young man who desires more of Jesus. He chose to be confirmed. He said, I, I want more of the Easter joy in my life, and I want all the graces that God can give. And so he was, he was uh, confirmed, and he took the name St. Andrew for his confirmation patron. It's really beautiful, wonderful celebration. Today, we come together because the Lord wants us to enter more deeply into the Easter joy that he offers us, the resurrection. And when I think of Easter joy, I think about all the saints and witnesses throughout history who, they lived and they breathed this joy, being so close to the presence of God that it made their spirit alive. One favorite saint that I have, and many of you know this already, is this guy named St. Philip Neri. And St. Philip Neri lived in the 1500s. He was a priest. He mostly lived in Rome. He wasn't from there, but he lived most of his life there. And uh, he was an amazing man filled with joy. He had a nickname because of it. And, and I'm sure all of you have nicknames, probably had nicknames growing up. Uh, when I was growing up, I was saying at the last Mass that uh, my nickname was Space Cadet. Because <laughs> a little spacey sometimes, my ADHD. And uh, my sisters call me Father Butthead, so that still sticks around. <laughs> but St. Philip Neri, his nickname was the Apostle of Joy. Can you imagine that? His legacy was of joy. He went through rough times. He, he had days where he was worn out, you know, ground up, spit out by the world. But his spirit was alive by the presence of our God. That's what joy is. I don't know what definitions that are out there, but the true definition of joy is when we experience spiritual delight in the Lord. We know what delight in the body is like. Delight in the, in the Lord is we encounter his presence and he brings us to life. Every morning he had the habit of asking the Holy Spirit to come into his life. He'd say, Holy Spirit, give me your graces, give me your gifts, and the Holy Spirit would come, and throughout the rest of the day he was just a man, just brimming over with joy, even in the midst of darkness and difficulty. And this put things really in perspective for him. I'm sure many of you have had these moments where you felt close to God. And when you have these moments when you feel close to God, maybe it was when you have your baby for the first time in your hands or something, um, it puts things in perspective. Things that you thought were really important tend not to be that important. So he just had this really discerning heart of what he should put his intense, serious face on when he should do that or when he could just relax and have a good time. And he was known for his practical jokes. Um, he, on one occasion, uh, he, gave, he gave strange penances, penances to his his disciples, who were his friends. Uh, on one occasion, they had these religious pilgrimages, and this bishop, it became a popular thing to do in Rome, and this bishop uh, had this little toy dog that was kind of embarrassing to look at, you know, this little, you could imagine, had a little coat on or something. And the penance he gave to his disciple was that he had to carry it under his arm for the rest of the pilgrimage, as this little yappy dog's under his arm. Uh, he, I mentioned the other mass, he... Um, he, he was invited to a bishop's home, a cardinal's home, 
and the cardinal wanted him to become a bishop himself. He's pretty well known in the area as this great spiritual father, and he knew it wasn't God's will for him, and, and he, he understood that a lot of people would be enticed by the office of bishop, because I'm sure there's some earthly blessings that come there as well. And uh, so he comes into the bishop's home in his office, and the bishop takes a mitre, the hat of the bishop, puts it forward, and, you know, they were good friends. So he, he picks it up, he examines it, he drops it to the ground, and he began to, like, juggle it like he would with a soccer ball. And he goes around the, the office, and, and, you know, his cardinal friend's laughing, and he's laughing. He, just, he picks it up, dusts it off, and he said something to the extent of, thanks, but no thanks, you can have the job. So he was just a guy who just, you know, when you were around him, you wanted to laugh. He was filled with life and joy. He really expressed Easter joy. I know when I die, I'd love to have my legacy as, there's Tony Coe. He's the guy who was filled with the joy of Jesus Christ. Raise your hand if you want more joy in your life. Okay, 80% of people want more joy. <laughs> Some people raise their hand reluctantly. You know. <laughs> Baby, Liam, he wants so. <laughs> yeah, so we want more joy. And the Lord wants to give it to us. He's interested in our joy. He's interested in the freedom within the human heart. I was reflecting on with the people in the last masses how it's interesting. Like, we have this God who's so mysterious, so wonderful, so great, and we can't, we can't describe him that much. I mean, he's a mystery. We can put some broad categories on him and things, but even still, even though we can't say much about him except for he's loving, he's merciful, he's just, uh, we sometimes approach our relationship with our Lord with the wrong understanding of who he is. And then we, we get annoyed by it. We get annoyed by the God that doesn't actually exist. He exists in our mind, and that's it. One of those views is that God is boring. He can't be boring. He is infinite love, infinite goodness, infinite beauty. And don't, don't our hearts hunger for those things in our life? Don't we really want those things? That the God who created us designed us to receive freedom through him. God, by his very nature, can't be boring. And so he is complete interest. And our hearts, if we really are serious about happiness. Now, I know there's a lot of us, we suppress our desire for the infinite. But if we were serious about happiness, we'd look into what he has to offer. I have this priest mentor. He passed away in the last year and a half. He uh, was this Puerto Rican priest. He was just a fun, fun guy, you know. There was always, like, he always looked kind of like a mess. He had, like, pizza stains on his shirt, <laughs> cigarette in his hand, and... He's, he said, man, the church would be a lot better if it, you know, if it was started in Puerto Rico. Be island people. Just relax, man. What's, what's the rush about? So he worked in D.C., and he was an amazing guy. He, um, before he was even a priest, he, he became friends with John Paul II. The Pope came down to, like, Central America, and he, he wanted to meet him. He wasn't even, like, I don't think he was even a practicing Christian. So what he did was he stole a cassock from a local church, and he snuck in, pretend like he was a priest. He got a, a personal one-on-one -on -one with the Pope. Pope's like, what's your story? He's like, I don't know. I just want to meet you. I heard everyone loves you. And the Pope's like, why don't you consider being a priest? He thought about it. It was an amazing experience. Same thing actually happened with him and Castro. It's a different story. So <laughs> Castro didn't ask him if he wanted to be a priest. So, so Apicetti, Lorenzo, uh, he had this dark sense of humor, which I loved. I mean... You know, firefighters, police officers tend to have this kind of dark sense of humor. Same with priests. And, and so he said at this retreat that he was giving, um, imagine you have your best friend. He's dead in front of you. He's in his casket. And, you know, your, your best friend uh, is not moving. You know what the, the opposite of interest is? It's not really boredom. That's part of it. 
but it's death. So imagine, you sneak up behind your best friend who's laying in his casket with a bunch of rubber snakes, and you throw them on his chest. You know what he's going to do? Absolutely nothing. He's not interested. You can take some pictures of some pretty girls, put it on his face. What is he going to do? He's not even going to twitch. He said you take some winning lotto tickets and just fan it in his, in his nose. You know, you can smell the paper of the winning top tickets. Nothing. He is not interested. The opposite of interest is death. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was thinking about that when I, he told that story. He just kind of jokingly mentioned it. I was thinking about it as a kid. My parents would take us to the cemetery. And I didn't know any of these people that we were supposed to be honoring and pray for. I knew it was a sad event. I knew it was something that was supposed to be serious. But I was absolutely bored. Like if the dead people started crawling out of their graves, that would be pretty interesting, you know? <laughs> if I knew their backstory that they were like ninjas or they fought dragons or, or something of that nature, I would have been interested. But instead, they had these crummy stones with a few dates on them. And I didn't know who these people were. I could tell my parents were you know, moved by this, but I was. And I was like, get me out of here. The opposite of interest is death. Now think about this. When these women came to the tomb of our Lord to anoint his decaying body with these holy perfumes and oils, they came to a tomb that was opened and it scared them. One of them saw an angel sitting on the stone. There was another angel there too who spoke with them. And at first, I think they probably thought that maybe robbers broke in. But no, robbers didn't break in. The king of glory broke out. Interest in our hearts is all that the Lord's after. And interest is often expressed and defined by movement. You know, if you, if you really love somebody, you're moved into action. Now, you see somebody, you know, who's having trouble on the side of the road, that movement, even though you may not be able to stop for them, might be a prayer of blessing or, or sympathy within your heart. But, but interest is defined by a movement that goes, goes out into the world, and that's what Jesus is. So if we have some kind of weird theology that suggests that God is born. We're not looking at the Jesus of the gospel. We're believing in some other religion because that is not what Jesus is. And he takes our hearts so seriously that he's willing to die for us on the cross so that we may have life. Part of the gospel is of salvation. When he died, he opened up the, the, the lock that was on the gates of heaven. But that's only part of the gospel. He came that we may have life and life to the full, which means he has brought heaven to earth that we can enjoy the 30 the 60, the 80, the 100-fold, that all the infinite needs and desires of our heart for meaning, justice, beauty, goodness, you name it, all those things begin to be satisfied here and now. That's exactly what our Lord wants. Now think about this. Um, we place what we value in our calendars. So, for instance, if, if you think about your month, you, know, you may not write it down exactly, but it's in your, in your mind and your heart. Think about your calendars throughout the month, throughout the week, throughout the day. And if your business and commitments are not at the equal level of spending time with your kids, maybe there's something to be said there. If, if you don't have scheduled into your week or month, date night, what does that say necessarily about your relationship with your husband or your wife? Now check this out. Now this is not an accusation, but I think it helps us to re realize that like, Okay, that all makes sense. Jesus really interested in us. He wants to give us heaven here on earth, the 100-fold. Now, now we have to make the response to the human heart and the invitation of Jesus that I want more. I want more joy. Now think about this. Does our schedule 
reflect that we have an infinitely interesting God who just wants us to have more peace, more joy, more everything. Does it reflect that? Or does it reflect a God that's pretty boring? It's pretty lame. doesn't do much. doesn't lift his finger for anything. I believe in an interesting God. And that's why this, over this last few days, I did like a four-day fast from food. And I was praying for miracles. And so this morning, I saw a message on the machine. One of our prisoners, she says, Father Anthony, you prayed over me. I had some severe back pains. And the whole back pain is not gone, but it's mostly gone. I want to tell you I love you, and I just want you to know that most of it got healed. Another person Saturday morning uh, sent in a text. I prayed for my friend's girlfriend, and I said, I'm going to fast for her that God, that Jesus, will give her a major surprise. She's a, she's a spirit-filled woman. So every day she was waiting for this, this surprise. Saturday morning she woke up, and she had one of those life-changing breakthroughs. You know what that's like? For some of us, it only happens every 10 years where God lifts off of us something that was heavy. We experience the world around us in a completely different way. It's like we breathe in the air, it's fresher, it's cleaner. We have a deeper sense of our love for him and his love for us. She said in tears that she was brought to a new level in her relationship with God and to pass that along to let me know that that was the fruit of the fast. Here's another example. I go to to visit somebody once a week and at the institution that they're at, um, there are a bunch of workers there, and one of the workers pulled me aside and said, Hey, Father, will you give me your blessing? I said, Sure. Let me just visit the person I came to visit. He said, Okay. So I visit the person I went to visit, and I came out and I said, Hey, you want to pray together? He's like, Well, let's not go too far. I don't want to pray a lot. Okay. <laughs> give me your blessing, Father, and that's all I want. All right, fine. So I, I said a prayer. I said, In the name of Jesus, body be healed. See, he had some growth in his body. He didn't go into much detail. A serious operation was necessary, it was scheduled. The next week or the week after, he goes into his uh, operation. They do the x-ray, and they put him in his gown. He's on the table, and the doctor comes in. The doctor says, I don't know what to tell you. Put your clothes back on. You're going home. We're not operating, we're operating on you today. He said, are you kidding me? This je- older gentleman thought that he could possibly die on the operating table. No operation necessary. This is the God I believe in, the God who gives surprises. That's the God I want to be around. The God who surprises me with blessings released into the world that I can be a part of, both for my own life and for other people's lives. This is the Jesus that is in the Gospels. This is the Jesus who breaks out of the tomb so that we can have life and life to the full. We thank that Lord. Now what I'd like us to do is to invite him into our lives right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to bow our heads in a moment and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come, just like St. Philip Neri. We're going to see if he shows up And then afterward, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you experience the presence of God with you in the prayer. If you had a deeper sense of joy, maybe more peace, more more sense of God caring for your family. And then after that, I'll shut the door because it's getting cold in here. (laughs) Bow your heads and let's just take a time to pray. I invite you to repeat after me and let this be your prayer. Not just words that I say, and not just because, you know, as Catholics we like to just repeat things. That this is your prayer for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Repeat after me. Come, Holy Spirit. Come right now.
Fill us with joy. Fill us with peace. Fill us with hope. bless you. I love you. And I will follow you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for drawing us together as a family. And uh, sometimes there are obstacles to sensing your presence. That is the true cause of our joy, sensing, delighting in our spirit deep within that you are near and that you love us. Sometimes there's obstacles that um, need to be dealt with, issues that need to be dealt with that prevent us from sensing you are close. Each one of us has maybe something that is there and we ask you to help us to identify it so that we can have more of you. And if by simply our own prayers, in the name of Jesus, I remove those obstacles right now I sever the thread that holds us back from experiencing and receiving more of you. This we ask all through the powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please raise your head. So I was talking to somebody after Mass and uh, a gentleman came up to me and said, Father, I just want to tell you my experience. And he said, uh, as we were praying, I had a, a deep sense of God's joy, peace, and he said, it was like the whole world disappeared. Everyone else in the church kind of disappeared. It was just me and Jesus there. He said, it was a major Easter blessing. And he said, now, Father, I know you. Don't make me come up to the pulpit and tell the people. <laughs> so you do know me well. Not now, next time. So, okay, observing the experience of inviting the Holy Spirit, he will always say yes to this prayer. He always says yes. And sometimes that experience is delayed. It may happen in the parking lot. It may happen when you get home. But raise your hand if you've experienced some level of joy praying the Holy Spirit to come. Raise your hand. Don't be sheep, sheepish. Excellent. Cool. Raise your hand if you felt that God was doing something for your family and something for you. All right. Now raise your hand if you had a deeper sense of hope of what God has in store for you in your life. Raise your hand. Beautiful. Excellent. God is so good. And he blesses us. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for everything you have given us. Bless us this day and bless our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.